0: Hi, welcome to the latest uh, class of GCSE Bristol Grammar School podcast. Um, this is now, we're on to 1.3, which is Temples. Um, it's quite a pithy uh, chapter by which I mean there's a lot to learn in terms of details in this chapter, Um, but it is going to be one that's a little bit shorter than the previous ones because you'll be getting into the habit now of learning the stuff um, from the textbook Um, and these are really just pointers to get you kind of thinking in the right way. We're going to start with um, looking at Greek temples. What was the layout of Greek temple? going to move on to looking at differences with Roman temples. um, And then we're going to link into that some things on sacrifice and priests. And then we're going to finish up with the four temples that are your prescribed sources for this section. So Greek temple, first of all, um, I'll take uh, the Greek temples. um, And there are a few things to remember about a Greek temple. You can see a little figure of a bird's eye view of a Greek temple on page 45 of your textbook. Um, And you'll notice there are four things that are mentioned Um, and they are the steps, the colonnade, the kella or naos, and the opisthodomos. Now, it's not all about remembering uh, the vocabulary of that, but it is really important that you get a sense of um, what they look like, um, and uh, particularly with things like the colonnade, you're aware that that is um, a set of columns, um, and that would have been one of the things that was first noticeable when you saw a Greek temple. Um, You can get asked questions to do with, you know, what was inside a temple, what was outside a temple. Um, Again, it's really important to get a sense of how that all fits together. Um, One of the key things um, is that uh, one thing that people tend to sometimes fall into as a mistake is this idea that they get used to this idea of a temple as being like something they've learned in their um, philosophy, religion and ethics or something they know from their own lives and think about um, a church Um, or they might think about a Hindu temple or something like that, and they start talking about um, the worship going on inside the temple, okay? And I want to really, really make sure uh, that you've got this sense that the altar would have been a really important thing, um, but that would have been outside the the temple. So in terms of Greek altars and Greek um, rituals, Mr Watkins is now going to talk through one or two things um, about the use of the altar, particularly the sacrifices and how the priests
1: would have run those. If you look at page 55, you'll see a picture of a Roman altar, this one dedicated to Julia Victoria. Um, But effectively, an altar is a big slab of stone on which you kill an animal for the gods. And that was outside of the temple. It was outside of the temple so that, obviously, in terms of cleanliness, you don't want blood and, and animal Bits going all over the floor inside your lovely temple, and also when you burn your offerings to the gods, you want it to go up to Olympus. Um, so, at the altar is where the priests would sacrifice the animal. In the Greek world, priests are called hieraius and hieraya. Hieraios is your male priests, hieraya are your female priests. Those names are on page 45. Um, typically, you had a male priest for a male god and a female priestess for a female god there are exceptions apollo uh, had both at delphi the next person you need to know about in a uh, greek religious setting is the mantis uh, which is the soothsayer the person whose job it was to look at the animal entrails and decide whether uh, what the what the future held and the other person who could tell the future was an augur This person specifically looked at the flight of birds to tell the future. The next thing I'm going to discuss is sacrifice. This is the process by which Greeks um, would uh, prepare an animal, kill the animal and then share the bits of the animal with the gods and with the attendants. A sacrifice in the greek world could be small it could be a chicken or a piglet or a goat uh, or it could be and that could be something you do at home in your household or it could be a city wide sacrifice hecatomb is a word you can see on page 46 and that refers to sacrificing a hundred oxen and that took place at the olympic games and the panathenaia to prepare the animal the animal had to be chosen that was a healthy Clean, strong animal. The city had to be in a state of of cleanliness, uh, no pollution, such as sacrifice happening, uh, as as, um, execution happening at the time. Um, And the animal itself was gilded. That means the horns were given a gold surface. They would tie ribbons to it. And then there'd be a procession. The people involved, there'd be a maiden carrying a basket of barley grains, uh, maybe cakes. Uh, Typically, the knife that would be used to kill that animal would be hidden in those grains. A lot of the process is about keeping the animal calm. So there might be music playing to to keep the animal calm. The knife is hidden to keep it calm. Um, When the animal animal was prepared, they would uh, make sure the animal agreed to being killed. And we'll look more at that uh, with the Romans, but the Greeks would take a handful of grain uh, and the sacrifice would pour water on the animal's head, and the idea was this water would make it nod to show the animal agreed to being sacrificed. Um, next, they would take—this is the Greeks. We'll talk about the Romans later. The Greeks would take a knife from the basket. They would remove some of the animal's hair and throw it onto the fire. That's like a little uh, a little amuse bouche for the gods—a little, little first taste. Um, then they would cut the animal's throat. Um, The blood was collected in a large bowl and that blood was poured over the altar. Uh, If this was a funeral in the Greek world, women would let out a high pitched scream to mark the passing of the animal from life to death. And the final stage of the sacrifice for the Greeks was the sharing of the sacrifice. They did not let any of it go to waste. The examiner is keen to sort of stress that this was the only opportunity at which most Greek citizens would get access to meat with a diet typically consisting of things grown in the fields. Um, hunting was a, a, a sort of pastime of, the, of the, those who could, had the the means, the wealthy. Um, so they... Uh, The thigh bone itself was wrapped in fat and skin and that was burnt on the altar along with some wine and that went up to the gods as their food. Great. So um, we'll move on to the Romans now. Uh, The Romans
0: borrowed a lot of their ideas from the Greeks when it came to temples and sacrifice. So there's not a huge amount to say in terms of difference. Um, One of the things that is focused on is this um, idea that uh, Greek priests had a specific temple that they were connected to, whereas Roman priests could basically float between temples. And provided you had the right sort of priest, then you could have um, a priest connected to um, any of the temples. Um, other differences were that a typical Roman temple Okay, so, so the, the sort of Roman temple you just might find in any Roman town um, Be aware that we are going to come on to talking about a very special, different Roman temple in a second That's the Pantheon um, But for a typical Roman temple, it basically would have had the cella, And you remember the cella or, uh, or naos um, would have been the bit in the middle um, Picture of a Roman temple from uh, above on page 56 that would tend to have fitted much closer to the edge of the temple. And that meant that they had these what are called semi-engaged columns. And semi-engaged columns would basically have only been sort of half columns that have been stuck onto the outside uh, wall of the keller. So that would have been a slight difference. Um, As you can see from that figure, um, it very much looks like um, a... a a Greek temple in a lot of ways except for those um, semi-engaged columns Um, and you'd have had it on a podium um, and you'd have had a colonnade still um, running around the temple like that. Just like the Greeks the Romans also had their altars outside and in fact you could even have an altar without a temple because the altar is really important in terms of Roman sacrifice. So we're going to talk a little bit now about uh, the difference and how a Roman sacrifice would have been slightly different and the priest would have been slightly different
1: from the Greeks. So the, um, the, Greek, the Romans had three colleges, sort of groups of priest types. The first group are the Pontifices. These words are all on page 57. If you're struggling with the spelling, the Pontifices were the most important priests. There were 15 of them typically, that number did change, but 15 is a good number to remember. And the leader of them was the Pontifex Maximus. Um, Once Augustus became emperor, he made it a rule that the emperor would always be the Pontifex Maximus, which shows us how religion and the sort of the politics, the leadership of the city were tied together so closely. Uh, the next group of priests you need to think about are the augurs, and these are the guys whose job it is to interpret the flights of birds and therefore the future and we'll talk about those in more detail on romulus and remus and finally the uh, next group we're going to look at are vestal virgins different to the others because they are females they are priestesses there were six of them And they represented, they were dedicated to Vesta, the goddess of the hearth, who you'll remember from 1.1. They had their own uh, temple, uh, which was in the Roman Forum, which shows how important their, this house of the Vestals shows how important it was. Uh, To be selected as a Vestal Virgin was a massive honour for the family. So people wanted to do this Um, and girls would join probably between the ages of six and ten they had a number of duties. They had to make this product called Mola Salsa, which is a mixture of salt and flour and was used in the Roman sacrifice. And they also had to keep the flame burning, uh, which represented the city itself as it was supposed to be um, the flame given to them from Troy by, by Aeneas when he came across. And they had to look after the, the, the objects of the city, the penates. Uh, The final name of people, uh, of priests, is the Haurospex, which is the Roman equivalent of a mantis. And they looked at the entrails and told the future. They are the Roman soothsayer. Um, It's important to remember with Roman religion that their their relationships, their relationship with the gods uh, is governed by this word Pax Deorum, which means peace of uh, the gods. And the idea was that It wasn't about necessarily leading a perfectly good moral life, but it's about maintaining peace with the gods. And that was done by giving sacrifice. And we talk about this relationship as being do ut des. These words are on page 56. It means I give so that you give or I scratch your back, you scratch my back and You didn't just ask the gods for something. You had to give them something in return. And that took place for the Romans by sacrifice. Very similar process to the Greek one. The animal had to be prepared uh, by the pontifex. They would lead the ceremony. Uh, if it was a small assembly, it could just be a private citizen. Uh, the animal had to be clean and it would be gilded. Attendants uh, would lead the animal to the altar. Um, the priest would typically have his head veiled unless it was in the Greek style. Then he would have his head not veiled. And that's in the Saturnalia and in the uh, sacrifice to Hercules. There would be musicians just like the Greek one, and we have a couple of named characters in the Roman sacrifice that we don't have in the Greek sacrifice. We have uh, the poppa, which is a nice onomatopoeic word. Poppa is the official who strikes the animal with a wooden stick. This is a difference between Greek and Roman sacrifice. And then there's the cultarius, who is a person who slit the animal's throat is another difference between Greek and Roman sacrifice. Um, The rest of it goes through in a very similar way in that we shared that the food was burnt and sent up to the gods, the bone, the fat, the skin, but the meat was given out to the people. There's an element of hierarchy in Rome, so more important meat is given first to priests and more important citizens. And then as we go down the hierarchy, the lower meat is handed out to lower participants.
0: Right, so uh, we now need to have a look at the prescribed sources Um, and they are some temples, four temples, two Greek, two Roman. Uh, We're going to talk these things through Um, and one of the things that you can look at where you can think about four things, uh, some of the key things you need to know about these temples, they are what God, what's the material, style and location. So uh, Mr Watkins and I are going to talk through those four things on each of these four temples Um, Why don't we start with uh, the Temple of Zeus. You can see um, in the blue box on the left-hand side of page 52, um, you can see the details of that. Mr Watkins is just going to talk through those four things, God,
1: material, style, location for the Temple of Zeus. Now these prescribed sources are very visual. The best thing for you to do is to look in your textbook at these pages, look at the plan. That's the black and white image that has all the dots showing you the columns to get an idea of what that temple would look like. And look at the imagery, the statues carved on it. The best thing to do is to look at the pictures. But what do you need to know? First of all, ask yourself, who is this temple dedicated to? The temple of Zeus at Olympia was dedicated to Zeus, king of the gods. Very important. What material was it made from? This one was made from limestone and that was collected in the local area. And what was the style of it? Doric. Now, some of you will remember from year nine the difference between Doric and Ionic. I think it's too much for us to go into massive detail here, but as long as you remember that this was in the Doric style, you'll get some credit for that. And finally, um, how was it actually built? What did it look like? Well, it had columns on the outside. It had steps going up to it. It was on a base. Um, It had a naos, which is the important bit in the middle and the opistodomos. And the location is really key. It was in Olympia. We talked earlier on Heracles, uh, why uh, Olympia was important. And Heracles appears on the statuary. So we're going to talk about the images that are shown on this temple. We have the metopes around the outside of the temple, which t- uh, show the 12 labours of Heracles. And we have the two triangular pediments, one on the east and one on the west. It was typical for a Greek temple to be orientated, lined up east to west. So we now are going to talk about the Parthenon,
0: blue box on page 49, Um, And I'm going to talk through the same things. The god to whom the Parthenon was dedicated is Athena. So you remember um, from talking about uh, Athena in section one, she was known as Athena Parthenos, Athena the Virgin. And this is the goddess uh, Athena Parthenos's temple. So therefore uh, it's known as the Parthenon. And what material? It's made of marble, really expensive stuff. Um, What style? It's actually both Doric and Ionic. Um, It's slightly unusual in that you'd expect it to be one or the other, if you remember about what Doric and Ionic mean. But this one has both. And the location, well, it's right up on the big rock, the Acropolis in Athens. So right in the centre of the Greek world from the point of view of the most important city. In terms of the significance, well, it symbolises Athens, um, it's uh, a very large temple um, around the same size as the uh, Temple of Zeus, um, and it's part of the Sanctuary of Athena. Um, it's uh, oriented east to west, just like the other temple, it's got an amazing Chryselephantine uh, cult statue of Athena, that's golden ivory statue of Athena inside, made by the same guy Phidias who made the one of uh, Zeus, um, and it has around the edge it has most important um, a couple of things one is a depiction of the Panathenaia that's the festival we're going to come back to and the other is the Centauromachy um, again we'll come back to that when we talk about um, myth and symbols of power so that's the Parthenon uh, we're going to move on to the Roman ones now um, Mr Watkins
1: is going to talk about the Temple of Portunus next So very briefly, the temple of Portunus was dedicated to Portunus, not a very well-known god, but you need to know it well. He was the god of harbours and cattle, um, which means that his location, the temple's location in Rome in the Forum Boarium or the cattle market was particularly relevant. Um, It's also on the banks of the river Tiber. Where the and it overlooked the harbour, so completely sensible to have that temple there. What materials are made out of? It was made out of tufa, which is a type of stone found locally, and limestone, and that was covered with plaster to make it look like it was made of marble. So, if we're comparing this statue, this temple, to one that is made of marble, we can talk about how the material used wasn't as impressive. Okay, so the pantheon now, and that's where we
0: diverge from the standard temples to something that was really quite remarkable. Basically commissioned, um, sort of built by uh, Marcus Agrippa, who was the general of the Emperor Augustus, and then burnt down and then rebuilt by another emperor, Hadrian. The emperors really care about this building. God, well, it's dedicated to all the gods, or maybe it wasn't, nobody's, 100% sure there is a debate about who it was to. Were there loads of statues of all the gods inside? Possibly. Mars and Venus certainly were there, but, you know, who knows? It could have been kind of a, a temple to the heavens or something like that. Um, in terms of material, it's made of marble and brick and concrete. Yes, the Romans did use concrete. In fact, they invented it. Um, so the marble would have been really expensive. The concrete would have enabled them to do different things with the shape of the building. Um, and the brick um, was there to sort of uh, shore that up. Um, in terms of the style, well, the style is Corinthian. So the uh, the two uh, other temples uh, that you had from the Greek um Section um, where Doric, Doric, and Ionic, and this one is Corinthian, so with these flowery acanthus leaves um, on the column. Um, and the location well, the location was in Rome and it's in the Campus Martius, okay, the Field of Mars, um, which is a large area where you would have met to sort of uh, celebrate campaigns, you would have met to engage in that exercise, and so this temple becomes really important um, for that. Um, it has unique features. It has this massive, great round section at the back called the rotunda. Um, it has an Oculus at the top. Visualising it, you've got a couple of really nice pictures on page 64. You can see the round section there. You can see the gap at the top, um, the, the little round um, Oculus And you can see it would have been really quite unusual and different um, when you're looking at it. So not difficult to compare that with other temples, um, but really it shows what the Romans could do with their temples to make them a bit different. So that's temples, that's temples and sacrifice. um, And uh, that was section 1.3.